championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Well, I wish this was a better night here. The Lakers do fall to the Clippers, 119 to 115. Um, not certainly the outcome that we wanted to see. The Lakers really struggled with getting stops down the stretch. We'll talk all about that. We'll break down what happened in this one. Part of this can be summed up just by... The Clippers made shots and the Lakers didn't. Um, we can certainly talk about that, but we've got a lot of other angles to dive into here. I'm seeing a lot of questions and comments already coming in. So if you're joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. This will give you an opportunity to vent a little bit. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about what we learned from this game, places to go from here. Can they improve from here? Was this really a bad outing for the Lakers compared to what we've seen in the past? We will break that all down. Um, but first, quick reminder, do subscribe, guys, to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, putting out new video content there every single day, so make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well, and if you guys want to find me on social media, you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. All right, let's get into this one first, diving into the box score. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, 1 block, 10 of 15 shooting. Not bad there. You'll take that from him. LeBron James, 23 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals. Uh, 9 of 23 shooting, 2 for 8 from deep. The inability to hit threes for a decent chunk of the roster was a big theme on the night. Russell Westbrook, only 10 points, 9 assists, 2 turnovers. Kept those down, 1 steal, but not quite the scoring punch you'd hope to see out of Russell Westbrook. But get this, 50% shooting from the field and 2 of 2 from deep. From Russell Westbrook. So I guess he'll take that. Malik Monk went berserk. 20 points again for Monk. 4 for 8 from 3. 8 of 15 shooting. 13 for Carmelo Anthony, including 2 of 2 from deep. But on the night, the Lakers shot 36% from 3, which overall isn't terrible. But they missed the big ones. They Every opportunity the Lakers had to take the lead in this game, something happened. And we're going to talk about that too because that's been a common theme for the Lakers so far this season. Meanwhile, for the Clippers, 21 points for Marcus Morris because, of course, against the Lakers, he cannot miss three. Six for nine, including a prayer that banked in to secure the win for the Clippers. Luke Kennard also went berserk from behind the arc. 19 points on five for eight shooting, including some clutch threes. Again, the Clippers just made clutch shots every single time the Lakers were about to take the lead. The Lakers either self-sabotaged or the Clippers hit a big shot. Sometimes both. Both of those things happened uh, on a few occasions. You also got 19 points out of uh, Paul George, 9 assists, 8 boards for him, plus 2 steals, 16 from Reggie Jackson. Isaiah Hartenstein had 11 points. It was a real thorn in the side of the Lakers when they went small with LeBron James at center. Our old friend Ivica Zubats puts up 12 and 5. All right, guys, I'm going to get straight into your questions and comments because I have a feeling a lot of them there are um, are, are going to lead into what we're going to talk about, too. Let's see. I know there's a lot of frustration because they lost to the Clippers. Oh, hang on. Hold the phone here, everybody. Hold up. All right. We've got officially Chris the Masterpiece Masters weighed in with the Master Lock of the night. So this is the Master Lock that's coming. We'll get to it. I'm not going to do it right now. We will get to it. 
But just so you know, the master lock for tonight is coming directly from Chris the Masterpiece Masters. Gotta love that. I've got people asking about trades, all kinds of things going in, coming in here. Money Sullivan, what do you think of trading THT, Nun, DJ for Jeremy Grant, Fire Vogel? <laughs> so I, that trade has been floating around for a while now. People have been talking about that one. I, I mentioned it on the last show. Look, if that trade is on the table, it's something you at least have to look at. You have to consider. I don't think the Pistons are making a move like that right now. I think maybe closer to the trade deadline in February. Maybe we'll start looking at that. But you know what? I'm seeing a lot of people that are really upset. After this game. And I get it. The Clippers, look, they're they're minuscule fan base. They're annoying, right? They're very loud. They're very obnoxious. They're very much kind of the, the, the pest, right, around Los Angeles and all that sort of stuff. I understand it. Or there's that frustration. But I didn't think the Lakers played all that poorly in this game. They missed some shots. There were some questionable decisions in terms of what they were doing defensively. Absolutely. Um, I thought this was a very winnable game for them. But it ultimately came down to the Clippers getting hot and, and hitting shots, and the Lakers didn't through a number of, of moments. But I think we've seen worse performances, and maybe that's where I'm coming from on this, because again, I can feel the frustration for, from everybody right now. This was not, to me, this loss was not as egregious as, say, the loss to the Thunder, right? Or the blowout loss to the Blazers or the loss uh, to the Kings, right? Those losses were all worse, where they definitely should have won the game. They lost to a clearly inferior team, and they did so largely because of their own poor play. Tonight, part of this was the Clippers did a great job making shots, right? You just played a team that's a little bit better, and they made some good shots. Also, there's some self-sabotage here that we're going to have to discuss. But again, I don't look at this as like the worst loss of the season, even if this is an opponent that you know you definitely want to beat and that's important and all that sort of stuff. So I understand the frustration, but looking at it from how the team played, I don't feel like this was like the worst game of the season or you know time to panic or, or anything like that. All right, let me get into some of your questions and, and comments here. Because, again, I do sense the frustration in this one. Andrew Potts said, I know you can't lose one play, uh, blame one play for losing a game, but there are certain plays that are key, and the Russ offensive foul was one. I hate when he takes off on the fast break. I'm yelling at the TV for him to give it up. Andrew Potts, the super chat from YouTube. Uh, yeah, look, I agree, and I was saying the same thing. I was um, saying, uh-oh, 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 as soon as... Um, as soon as Russ took off there, I was definitely concerned, but I thought he actually made a really smart play in terms of spinning baseline, but the arm clearly went out. He fouled him. There was I don't, don't think there's any debate on that. Russ committed an offensive foul. It was a dumb turnover. It was a chance for the Lakers to go, to go ahead, um, and unfortunately, that's what we saw all night, and that's been a theme, and that's one of the things we need to talk about here. The Lakers have this weird thing that they do this year where they chase down teams, chase down teams, chase down, finally get to the point where they're going to catch up or they're going to go ahead. It's a big moment, and they shoot themselves in the foot. They just find a way to do it. We saw it earlier. Anthony Davis, a little touch pass to Malik Monk. He doesn't put anything on it. He suddenly had like like kindergarten arms or something and couldn't push the basketball to Malik Monk for the pass, so it just kind of falls right in front of him. The Clippers steal it, go down, bury a three, and one. Four-point play you give up off of that. It was unreal. And then we see another opportunity late in the game. Russell Westbrook spins. AD's right there. Lay it off for the dunk. Oh, offensive foul because he throws the arm out. They just have this way of every time they're about to really 
seize control of a game. They find this way to trip over their own two feet. And that's something that is certainly concerning, something that they've got to get better at. Just not getting in their own way. Just go out there and play basketball and don't shoot yourself in the foot because there were opportunities in this game where the Lakers stopped the Lakers. Not the Clippers stopped the Lakers. The Lakers stopped the Lakers from getting the W. And so certainly there's some frustration there from Lakers fans can certainly understand that. But it's weird. It's weird. It's almost like um, if you you read the comics, like Thanos, where he just has this, this overwhelming... Uh, inherent desire to to fail, like he doesn't think he's worthy enough to win or something like that, and he constantly causes his own downfall, that's kind of what the Lakers are doing here. They seem to find a way to stop themselves from getting wins, which is uh, is certainly frustrating, and it was really on display in tonight's game. That was something that was um, very apparent. All right. Somebody asked, Trev, do you like THT's hair? I don't care about THT's hair. As long as he's putting the ball in the basket, I don't care about his hair. He dye his hair green or purple or pink. I don't care. Just put the ball in the basket. Um, so, question here, and I think this is an important one. Why double Paul George, who is struggling, only to let the thin hair canard cook them? That's a great name. Trevor, what are you talking about? Look at the rosters. Uh, come on, bro. So, this comment here... Um, you're saying look at the rosters. I don't know what you're talking about there as far as look at the rosters, but why double Paul George? That was the big defensive decision of the night for Frank Vogel, was doubling Paul George late in the game. That's something that the Lakers historically have done. Frank Vogel's, Vogel's defenses uh, have, has done. They tend to double to put get the ball out of the hands of the other team's best player, and then trust that everybody else is going to rotate to the right spots, that if you're put into, so if you send two to the ball, we've talked about blitzing the pick and roll before, you send two to the ball, the other three players are going to be able to wall off the remaining four, that through your rotation, you're going to be able to scramble enough to still cut things off. Now, the frustrating part, and I fully understand this, I think this was a mistake, the frustrating part was the Clippers read that, they would swing, swing, and then get an open three, and they were knocking them down. Now, you have to make that adjustment and no longer send that double but the Lakers continued to do it, believing that that was going to somehow start working eventually, and it just it didn't. Uh, part of the problem here is the Lakers, when your guys, the Lakers are closing with Monk and Carmelo Anthony plus LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and, uh, and of course, Anthony Davis. Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk defensively can't, can't run that scheme. You can occasionally do it, but not the way the Lakers used to. You can't do that with Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk on the floor, the way that you could with Alex Caruso and Danny Green, or KCP and Danny Green, or Avery Bradley and Danny Green, 2019-2020 Avery Bradley. You can't do that. Why? Because they don't have the foot speed and they don't have the size slash length to make up that kind of ground, where when you play three on four, you can get away with doing that. So that was a, a curious decision, and I think it was a pivotal one. Now, who's to say... If they had just played Paul George straight up, maybe George would have taken whoever was guarding him one-on-one, they would have gotten screen roll, and they would have scored that way. That certainly could have been the outcome here, and then we'd all be saying, well, why didn't they just double Paul George? But I do think that it's a very fair criticism in this case that the Lakers probably should have adjusted their strategy on the fly and didn't. They stuck with it. And it burned them each and every time. And we saw the frustrating canard threes. We saw uh, Marcus Morris get one as well, in part because they just continued to double the ball uh, and get it out of Paul George's hands. So, and again, Paul George wasn't having a great 
game. He was okay, but not great. I think part of that is um, the Lakers right now don't really have a big wing defender. And so most likely you're talking about a guy who is not really suited to guard Paul George, guarding him one-on-one in a late-game situation. So the Lakers decided to double, but given the way things played out, it was certainly a questionable decision. Uh, Sean Tate from YouTube, the Super Chat. Does Vogel make it through the year? I don't look at, again, I look at the losses to, in terms of, of what games are the most damning to Vogel, I look at the losses to these supposedly inferior teams like the Kings, right? Losing those those types of games, I think, are a bigger detriment to Vogel than losing a game like this against the Clippers. Now, again, I think there's plenty of blame here on Vogel for that defensive strategy down the stretch, particularly when it wasn't working and they just stuck with it rather than changing it, okay? So there's, there's plenty of blame here for this one, but I don't think this game is the straw that broke the camel's back or anything like that in terms of Vogel being let go, not like a, what, a week or so ago where had they lost to the Pistons, um, that probably would have been a really bad look, but they ended up winning that game. I don't think this game is going to carry that kind of weight where it's, it just looks like a really bad loss. Guys, by the way, I am trying to snag all the Super Chats as they're coming in, so if you're sending those in from uh, from YouTube, of course, appreciate it. Uh, Senpai NFT from YouTube said, Vogel, THT starting, does he understand spacing? Thank you. Yes, we need to talk about that. He preaches defense, then throws out Russ Monk, uh, Mellow lineups, Ellington Mellow lineups, effort can't carry bad defense. Yes. So I was surprised the THT was the one that was in the starting lineup. We knew Dwight was going to start. Vogel told us that yesterday. Taylor Horton Tucker, I feel like because Vogel thinks defense first, he probably thinks, you know what? Wayne Ellington is what, 6'2-ish? Something like that? 6'3", maybe? Um, THT, 6'4", 7'1", wingspan. Better chance if he gets switched onto a Paul George uh, of getting the defensive stop than if it's... Wayne Ellington. So I understand that. However, on the offensive end of the floor, it's kind of a mess. And I mentioned this on my Twitter account uh, during the game, especially early on. The Clippers had no problem whatsoever sending extra guys into the paint with that starting five on the floor, which is no shock at all. I mean, we all said that's exactly what's going to happen. Every time they tried to get a lob at the rim, every time they tried to get a cutter down into the paint, the Clippers would just have the guy that's on the weak side of the ball Drop into the paint. Why? Because they weren't worried about leaving Taylor Horton Tucker. They're not worried if they're leaving uh, Russell Westbrook. You go ahead and you leave them, and if they make the three, you live with it. But most of the time, the Lakers weren't even kicking it to them to shoot that open three. And when they did, they tended to miss. At one point, the Lakers were shooting 14% from deep. They finished at 36%. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Oh. But... In any event, that yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was so bad the spacing that it's got me choked up here. But yeah, that was that was definitely a concern for for me going into this game when they announced that THT was going to start. No, I think THT did a better job being aggressive uh, and attacking the basket, especially as the game went on. He started to get some of his you know funky little reverse layups going on. By the way, I was thinking about this. If THT was a lefty, how much of a discussion will we be having about him being a a one-hand dominant 
finisher at the basket. Like that stuff stands out when it's a left-handed finish. It's not as much when you're a right-handed player, but he really, really relies on that right hand around the rim. But again, I didn't think that was the right the right decision. I thought that that offensive unit, particularly if you're trying to get the best out of Russell Westbrook, you need floor spacing. And your best floor spacer at this point is either Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington. I think that Ellington's defense is probably a little better. So personally, I would have rolled with Wayne Ellington in that starting unit instead of THT. Put THT in with the bench. Let him go a little bit more berserk on the offensive end because he wouldn't be sharing the floor as much with LeBron, with another you know dominant ball handler. And so then you let THT attack there. Defensively, I I understand you're wanting to have a little bit more length on the floor when you're matching up with Paul George, but the offensive spacing was a big, big problem with that starting unit. And so that was why I was surprised that uh, that Vogel went to it. All right, grabbing some more of your Super Chats as they're coming in. Again, certainly appreciate it. Uh, Mook Morris said from YouTube, the Super Chat said, THT's potential is high, but he's on a must win now. He doesn't quite fit the needs right now. Vogel was playing him in a non-spacing lineup and dared him. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Clippers dared, especially in the first half, the Clippers dared the Lakers to shoot threes. And the Lakers shot 14% from deep at one point. That's That's what we saw go down. So... That's the problem there. Oh, that hurts. Come on, man. Saw a comment came in, came in and says, Trevor is happy that his lookalike canard killed us. Why you got to do that to me? That, that hurts, like right here. Ouch. Ouch. Man, you guys are vicious out there. All right. Cool Bean said, why even double Paul George? He wasn't cooking uh, like that tonight. The dude is 6'9", so the doubles don't really affect him. He's going to make an easy read. It just leads to practice jumpers for their shooters. Absolutely. Agreed. And I went over this just a few minutes ago. But yes, I was I was confused by that as well. I'm glad you guys were amused by that as well. All right, we do need to do, and by the way, I'm still taking the super chats as we come through, reading your your comments and everything. Um, We do need to get into our 360 award, though. So of the three stars, of LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, chat, let me know. Who do you think was the best? Who do you think was the best tonight out of those three players? Fire it off, and let's see what we've got here. Let's see what you guys are, are saying, who you think it is. I've got my pick. But I'm curious to see what you guys think. A lot of people have got saying Anthony Davis. Somebody says no one deserves it. I know we're all kind of cranky after after that loss. I'm seeing a lot of people saying Anthony Davis, and I agree. I'm going Anthony Davis. 10 boards, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 27 points. He somehow, he was a minus 9 in terms of plus minus, um, which was the worst of the of the three stars. But still, 10 boards, 4 assists. Made some big plays down the stretch. 10 for 15 shooting. I thought it was a nice performance from Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron was okay. He didn't really hit that next level LeBron James that we kind of were hoping to see in this one. 23 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, 9 for 23. Had some moments where he just didn't quite finish like we expected him to, but 
Uh, and Russell Westbrook good, just had a quiet night, 10, 10 points. But again, the turnovers were kept down. So, you know, that's, that's a little bit of give and take there. AD, overall, I thought had the best night. So I agree with you there on that one. But... AD did miss free throw. 7 for 11 from the line. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers were 21 of 24. At one point, they were 19 of 19 at the line. Or no, they were 18 of 18, and then they missed one. Um, They got to the line a ton. 24 free throws. Some of that, there were some bad whistles, right? I can't say every call was perfect. It's not like they earned every single one. In fact, I thought Austin Reeves got a really rough whistle. A couple of times down the floor, he just got rookie calls where he went to contest, just defended like he normally would, and didn't get the call. There's one play in particular where Paul George goes to drive on Austin Reeves, pushes him off with his off arm, which is what Paul, that's Paul George's go-to move, is the off arm push-off, which he gets away with a lot, but pushes him off with the off arm. Reeves does a great job recovering, contests the shot very well, and for the... Uh, for the incredible offense of getting too close to Paul George, he got whistled for a foul, and George got free throws. So there were some rough calls in there, but it wasn't all bad calls. There were also a lot of moments where the Lakers just committed fouls that they really shouldn't have. Um, Sean Tan, so the free throw shooting was definitely a big deal. Uh, And the Lakers only shot 62% from the line. I mean, look, this ended up being a four-point game. If the Lakers shoot a respectable free throw percentage, they they win this game. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. Shoot a decent percentage from the free throw line, and you probably walk away with the win tonight. Probably walk away with the win. Turnovers weren't bad for the Lakers either at, uh, at 11. Only 9, though, for the Clippers. We'd like to see the Lakers force a few more turnovers than that. Uh, Lord of the Sky said LeBron getting beat to the basket twice, one by Hartenstein, and I forgot who the other one was. was pretty annoying. Yes, he got beat going left the same time. Uh, Two trips down, he got beat, and that was not what you want to see out of LeBron defensively. I thought LeBron did a nice job calling things out, did a nice job anticipating some things, but in terms of actually moving his feet and staying in front, not a great night from LeBron James. So, fair uh, complaint there. By the way, as much as I've, I've seen a lot of people that are blaming Taylor Horton Tucker's hair for the performance tonight, how about we blame the jerseys? So far, every time the Lakers have worn those jerseys, the city jerseys from this year, it's been a loss, and more often than not, it's been a bad loss. Yeah, I'm thinking those jerseys might have some bad karma on them or something like that. Something's going on there. Let's see what else we've got here. Somebody said 0-3 in those jerseys. Yeah, I. for me, if I was the Lakers and I saw, okay, we're scheduled to wear that jersey against the Clippers, I would have done whatever it takes to change that. I'm not wearing those jerseys in a game that you are playing against your, your crosstown opponent. I'm not going to call them a rival. Crosstown opponent, not going to do that. Trade the jerseys. Uh, somebody said, these rotations are bizarre. This is from Mook Morris, too. These rotations are bizarre with no shooters, and Vogel decides that THT was the missing piece, but just another slasher for the paint defense to clog. Again, we talked about that. The starting lineup, I didn't like having THT in there because of the lack of floor spacing, particularly because of Russell Westbrook. You're basically saying, okay, Russ, we're going to give you the worst possible situation on the offensive end of the floor. Go be you. 
Russell Westbrook plus spacing equals ball getting into the basket, ball getting into the paint, and then getting kicked out to shooters and things like that. Russell Westbrook with no shooting on the floor equals the paint is clogged. Um, that's a problem. So, I, again, I didn't get the decision to go with Taylor Horton Tucker. And I didn't think tonight was a terrible night for THD. But Card Collector said, hey, Trevor, we could... Uh, who could we trade for that would give us floor spacing and defense? <laughs> I mean, so you're talking about a 3 and D player. Guess what every team in the NBA is looking for? A 3 and D player. Guess what every team in the NBA doesn't want to give up? A 3 and D player. Everybody wants these guys. Everybody wants guys who can defend and make threes. It's why Marcus Morris got paid $64 million. Is he that good of a player? No, but he can defend and he can shoot threes. That's what teams in the NBA want. So finding one of those guys is not like you can just say, well, we can trade trade Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played a game yet, and you're going to get a good 3 and D player. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You might get some guys who can maybe shoot threes, but I guarantee you they can't defend. Maybe you can find a guy who can defend, but he can't shoot. Finding both of those things is difficult, and every team is looking for it right now. Some people saying Monk should start. Monk was tremendous again. Made a lot of really tough shots. But I still think you want him coming off the bench in that kind of Lou Williams microwave scorer type role. Still think that's probably your best bet with him. Especially because he seems to really be in a rhythm that way. That seems to really be be working well for them. So I would just keep doing what they're doing with him and just bring him off the bench. And then you can use him in those closing lineups. Give him the minutes. But make him that bench score. Make him that, that gunner that doesn't have a conscience. Uh, Senpai NFT said, please, please play Bazemore. Bazemore was very much out of fashion a few weeks ago. Fans were asking for Bazemore to be pulled from the game, and now we've got people asking for him to come back in. Um, compared to some other players, maybe you give him a look, but I mean, Bazemore just really struggled out there, and his defense started to slip. And that's kind of like Avery Bradley, where Bazemore and Avery Bradley are both guys where, in order to be on the floor, their defense has to be top, top, top tier. Right? They've got to be elite. They have to be great defensively to make up for what they don't give you on the offensive end. And I didn't feel like either one of them was great defensively earlier on in the season. Uh, Andrew Escamilla said, Where is our version of offense to take advantage of uh, opponent team defense? However, close games like this, I think, help with the long-term goal playoff. Okay, so you're looking at the glasses half full. So our offense taking advantage of the opponent yeah, the Lakers didn't do a great job of that tonight. I thought they picked up the energy a little bit in the second half, but ultimately you still saw some possessions that just kind of sputtered or that resulted in a long two, things like that. That was not great. But once the Lakers picked up the defensive intensity, started getting a few turnovers here and there, at least getting some stops, they got to run a little bit, that made a difference. Uh, Long-term, being in, the, in a game like this that's close, is that going to help the team? Probably. Yeah, that will probably help the team long-term, especially a team that needs time to gel, needs chemistry, needs to find a way to come together because there are so many new faces and so many guys who have been in and out of the rotation due to injury as well as you know suspension and health and safety protocols and pretty much everything else that you can think of. So these types of games, glasses have full long-term. Yes, that probably this probably does help the Lakers. Somebody said we need Marcus Saul and Wes Matthews. Where Wes Matthews just uh, just signed with the Bucks today, so he is no longer on the market. Uh, Lord Biras from YouTube said Vogel should say no more threes, go to the rim strong. Uh, Vogel does that at some times, some moments, but 
You also have to take what the defense has given you to a degree, and the Clippers were very much giving up open threes. It's on the Lakers to make sure they knock those down. Shantan, Trevor, we should have had Ellington or Monk in the starting lineup. I don't think Vogel trusts LeBron defending Paul George. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I don't think... Um, I don't think that the starting lineup was ideal in terms of the floor spacing. As far as LeBron guarding Paul George, I, I'm sure Vogel didn't want him doing that all game long. Um, that's not an ideal scenario either. But the problem is, for the Lakers, the guy is supposed to be Trevor Ariza. Vogel talked about this the other day um, when he said that Trevor Ariza is still a ways away. By the way, Ariza was working out before the game. We got some footage of him over on the Lakers Nation uh, Instagram page uh, of him working out before the game. He did practice yesterday with the team, uh, non-contact versions of practice, though, but getting closer to a comeback. Doesn't mean he's going to be back like tomorrow or even in a week, but getting closer. But Vogel has made it very clear that Ariza is supposed to be that guy. Ariza is supposed to be the guy that is going to defend the other team's big wing, so like a Paul George. Now, Ariza is also 36 years old, so that begs the question, if Ariza was so important, if having a big wing to defend guys like Paul George so that LeBron doesn't have to is such a big deal, why didn't you get more guys who can do that? Why would you only get a 36-year-old Trevor Ariza to fill that role and not get anybody else to play behind him so that if Ariza gets hurt, you actually have somebody to turn to. Because all season, we have seen the Lakers lacking, very clearly, a big wing. So yes, and we talked about this during the offseason, they should have added more wing help. And that has become very, very apparent as the season has gone on. That's part of why they are so desperate to get Ariza back, because they need somebody with that skill set who can defend a Paul George, even if it's only for 20 minutes a night, who just has the size in order to do that. Somebody said James Ennis. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about this for a while. We talked about it all offseason. James Ennis, was, he was doing the equivalent of like holding up a neon sign, doing jumping jacks, whatever. He was doing everything he could to get the Lakers to notice him. Going around Twitter, liking every post that said, James Ennis, please sign with the Lakers. And uh, it still didn't happen. Didn't happen, but they could definitely use somebody with that kind of size. Uh, Mamba Mentality from YouTube said, missed the game but saw the highlights. Seems uh, free throw at the first half and lucky shots were the reason we lost. Um, one in a million doesn't happen this time. Stay up, Lakers Nation. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the kind of thing where the Clippers, if they shot, what did they end up shooting from three on the night? 46% from three. So let's say the Clippers shoot a normal percentage from three, meaning, you know, Mark, Marcus Morris doesn't bank in a three, Luke Kennard doesn't go berserk, and they shoot 38% from three. What does this game look like? It's a Lakers win. As is. It's a Lakers win if they just shoot a normal percentage from three. Now, part of that is, again, Vogel's defense, doubling Paul George, giving up open looks from three. Part of that is on the Lakers. Part of it is also the Clippers just shot ridiculously well this game. Sometimes people like to dumb it down and say it's a make-or-miss league. And, again, that's an oversimplification. But sometimes it's kind of true where even if you play well defensively, that just kind of happens. There was one play, in fact, uh, and I can't remember exactly how it all went down, but I remember that as the play went down, I was saying, yes, 
Yes, yes, the Lakers defensively did everything they needed to do, made the right rotations, got the stop. I think Anthony Davis even blocked the shot, and it bounced to a clipper, and then they scored. Did everything they were supposed to do, and it just took the wrong bounce, and the Clippers scored. Sometimes that happens. That's that's sports. And I'm not saying that the Lakers did everything right tonight, because they certainly didn't. But even when they did do the right things, there were occasions where the Clippers just made a difficult shot, and then you just kind of say, okay, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, somebody said, why did AD not take uh, not, not take Paul George? I was surprised. We didn't see more Anthony Davis on Paul George, for sure. Uh, the Next Man Up Award. Let's talk about that. The Next Man Up Award. Who was the best of the other Lakers? I think it's very clear, but chat, let me know. From YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, let me know who was the Next Man Up tonight. The, the non-star, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. They're out. That was the best. Yep, I'm seeing four letters repeated over and over and over again. And it's not a swear word this time, so that's great. It is Malik Monk. Yep, Malik Monk, no question, gets the next man up award. Malik Monk gets it uh, 8 for 15 shooting, 4 for 8 from 3, 4 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals. This game isn't this close without Malik Monk. He was a big part of the Lakers scoring in the second half, made some really difficult shots. Great, great stuff from him once again. So Malik Monk, easy choice tonight. Easy choice. And again, I... We look at this and we think, oh, okay, well, Monk's great. Start him. I still don't think you start him. I think that you keep him in that flamethrower off the bench roll. By the way, Dwight Howard, 21 minutes, um, five boards, two assists, one steal, one block, minus 11 on the night, which was the worst on the team. But uh, I thought he was okay. It had that really nice touch pass in transition to LeBron, which is very creative from Dwight. Great play, but just an okay performance from him. The Clippers aren't really a team where your big is going to show out against because they've got enough big bodies to kind of throw at you. Um, and then when they go small, they've got so many shooters. I mean, Serge Ibaka even shot the ball well that it's hard to keep. Uh, it's hard to keep him on the floor. A guy like Dwight on the floor. By the way, Serge Ibaka three for three from deep. Paul George was zero for seven from three, which again is just furthers the argument why were the Lakers doubling him in the fourth. All right, got a question coming in here. And it was a good one. Said, Adam Clark, said, Trevor, what's the difference between this year's team compared to last year's team? Kuzma and Harold didn't do much. Schroeder was no good. Is KCP and Caruso that big of a difference? So rather than think the individual player, is this player good or is this player bad? And that's, that's all they are. Are they a positive or are they a negative? You have to think within the team structure. So what is it that's different? Um, first of all, you've got a lot, of, a lot of players that are on the team this year compared to last year that, number one, are just the age is certainly a factor. But in terms of athleticism, they aren't as fast. That you're losing a little bit of speed there. When we talk about KCP, Dennis Schroeder, both of them very, very fast, right? Alex Caruso, super quick feet, very physical. These are guys where when the defense is really starting to break down, right? If if you get put into rotation, 
and it's Caruso that's got to fly across the floor. If it's KCP that's got to fly across the floor, guess what? Those guys physically can do that. They can do that. And more often than not, they're going to read it. They're going to see where they need to get to, and they're going to go to the right spot. So like Malik Monk, physically, can he be as fast as those guys? Probably. But he doesn't always make the right read. And so that takes away from some of his quickness because he's not, he has the capability of getting to where he needs to be as quickly, but he's not reading it as quickly as those guys would. So when you look at the guys individually, we have to think, what do they do? What attributes do they bring that fit in with the team concept, particularly on the defensive end of the floor? You're seeing a slower team defensively that's also lacking some size, particularly with the wings. And so I was just, just talking about this before I, I came on with Keith Smith. Uh, Keith was telling me, he goes, man, I'm surprised the Lakers are so bad defensively. And I responded, I said, I, well, look at who's on the floor, though. Look at who's playing, and you can see kind of why they're so bad defensively. Now, part of that is certainly effort. Effort is definitely a component in defense. But if you look at who's on the floor for the Lakers, more often than not, you've got guys who individually just aren't great defenders, and then they're small. You've got guys who are smaller who are being asked to be put in rotation. Compare that to a couple of seasons ago when they had, say, Danny Green, who's 6'6", long wingspan, all that kind of stuff. That makes a difference where if you have a guy who's 6'6", and is closing out, where even if they don't make the right read or they're a step slow, they're able to cover a little bit more ground on that closeout than a guy like Malik Monk, who's 6'2", and certainly quicker, but isn't going to affect the shot the same way. So you've got those two things coming together. You've got the athletic standpoint, you've got the, the age issue there, but then you also have size as being a problem as well. So that is a difference on the defensive end of the floor, particularly with the way Frank Vogel wants to run his defense. And so he's had to change things. That's why you're seeing zone defenses and things like that thrown in, because he doesn't really have the guys that, number one, are capable of defending the way he wants to. Um, they don't put in the effort that they need either, and they're also not making the right reads. And all of that kind of combines to create the problems that the Lakers have had on the defensive end of the floor, and that's a big difference from the uh, last season compared to this season. The Lakers put together all these guys, and um, and pretty much just said, okay, Frank Vogel, you're a good defensive coach. Figure it out. And so far, Frank Vogel being a good defensive coach hasn't overcome putting together a lot of bad defenders. Uh, hasn't been able to balance that. So that's what we're looking at right now with this Lakers team. Now there's moments where when they really turn it up and really push down on the gas pedal and are given 100% effort, they're okay defensively. They can be passable there. But you can't ask them to have the pedal to the metal all season long. Now that being said, there have been games where their effort has certainly been lower than it should be but you also can't expect them to operate at 100% all season long, every single possession. And that's kind of what they have to do in order to be passable defensively right now. And that's just a challenge uh, in terms of the roster build. Uh, Dan from YouTube said, every team makes threes on us. Uh, time to look in the mirror. Again, that that wraps up into part of what I was just talking about in terms of the defense, in terms of not making the rotations, not having quite the size or the speed in order to rotate out. When a team goes pass, 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 and they then find an open shot, 
those shots against last year's team, against the season before, sometimes those shots are snuffed out because it's Danny Green making that read, because it's Alex Caruso, because it's KCP, because even Kyle Kuzma had the size and the foot speed to do that. The Lakers don't have those guys now. And so defensively, it's taken a big toll. Whereas when we're watching that last season, that doesn't always stand out, right? Because you're watching, your eyes watching the ball. You're not watching the guy that's making the rotations, that's making the extra effort to get out and contest on a shot, and it ultimately makes a difference and it affects the shot. You don't always pick that up when you're watching, and it's easy to dismiss. And then this season, you see players who aren't capable of doing that, and it's, what happened? Where did the defense go? That's what happened. You no longer have those guys that are able to make those reads, and it leads to more open three-point shooting and thus better three-point percentage, where it feels like everybody goes berserk from behind the line against the Lakers. All right, let's see. So... I've got a lot of comments still coming in that are anti-Frank Vogel, and that leads me to, let's just do it. Let's do the Master Lock of the Night. And again, I got a text beginning of the show from Chris the Masterpiece Masters. So this one's coming directly from him. The Master Lock of the Night, according to Chris Masters, said, I'm reading you his text. Vogel gets the Master Lock tonight. Double-teaming Paul George made us too predictable. And I have a feeling all of you probably agree with Chris Masters' assessment there. Frank Vogel made the big defensive adjustment that did not work and that did not react to that down the stretch. Double-teaming Paul George, hindsight's 20-20, but it was a mistake. It was a mistake, and it led to open looks for the Clippers, and they knocked down those looks. Now, again, had the Clippers missed those looks... We'd be singing a different tune, but they didn't. They didn't, and then once they continued to make them, once the Clippers continued to exploit the Lakers in that particular situation where they were doubling Paul George, uh, the Lakers didn't adjust from there. They just continued to do it and got burned by it. So, master lock of the night goes to Frank Vogel. Coach, when it's late in the game and you try something and it's not working, you got to change it quick because you don't have time to mess around with it anymore. Now, if Paul George then beat a defender one-on-one and scored, okay, maybe that happens, but you got to try because you're definitely getting beat. The Clippers were picking you apart with that uh, with that aggressive double team to get the ball out of Paul George's hands. And again, credit to the Clippers for making the shots. They got lucky on the bank from Marcus Morris, but still, the Lakers didn't adjust their strategy, and that ultimately falls on the head coach for that one. So, the worthy master lock of the night. And again, coming straight from Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, goes to Frank Vogel. Um, Somebody said, it's not just Vogel. The team is lazy and entitled. They rotate slow. Again, I mentioned that earlier. Effort is a component here, too. You've got a number of players who also also aren't known as like high-motor guys. And you compare that to Caruso, KCP, where like even if they're making some mistakes, they're always going at, what, 90 95%, right? They're going, 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 going. That makes a difference, too. This Lakers team doesn't have guys who are wired that way on defense, where it's, we're going to lock in and we're going to do everything we can do to stop you from scoring. They've got guys who are more thinking, okay, well, if you score, I'm going to get it back on you on the offensive end. It's just a different way of approaching the game. 
And that plays out. You see moments where the effort wanes. Now, I don't, didn't think the effort was horrendous in this game. It's not horrendous. Um, I didn't think it was it was you know, exemplary or anything like that. But it also wasn't the worst effort game, which maybe that speaks to how poor the effort has been uh, in some games. But it's also part of why a guy like, say, Austin Reeves stands out. When you see the when you see him make the extra effort, we go, oh my gosh, that was so great. Austin Reeves, look at what he's doing out there. Part of that is because it stands out in contrast to some of the other guys on the team who aren't quite fighting the way, say, Reeves does on the offensive or the defensive end, like Caruso did last season, KCP, Danny Green, guys like that. Um, they just don't have those guys, and that's um, that's certainly been a challenge. Uh, somebody said defense is really what it came down to. Yep. Quadre Poinsett said, oh, so that's what a team with shooters looks like. Yeah, you know what? That's something. So I was watching uh, the Hawks game earlier this evening, and there was a play where Trey Young fired a pass out to Kevin Herter, who came off a screen and was a few feet behind the line, rose up, drilled it. Just drilled it. And you could see the shot coming out of his hand just was smooth. And I thought... The Lakers don't have that guy. They don't. They don't have that guy. That guy who can come out and fire up a shot, and as soon as it's leaving his hands, you just know he's in. it's in with size. You've got Malik Monk. Malik Monk has that to him, where when he pulls up, you just you have moments where you can see it coming out of his hand, and you just go, oh, that's pure. That's going in. Wayne Ellington, occasionally, but both those guys are small. They don't have that big wing that can get out there and just hit a shot. The Clippers have a few guys that can do that. They've got Paul George. They've got Marcus Morris. This guy's made a difference, right? Paul George, again, not the best night, but Marcus Morris was red hot from three. And then even Kennard. You could see as soon as the ball left his hand, money. You knew it was going in. The Lakers don't seem to have those guys this year. They do Again, Ellington, Monk, those guys can shoot. But you're starting to see more and more teams stack up these young wings with some size who can also shoot. You're not reliant on smaller players for your shooting. And that makes a difference when you've got a guy who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, whatever Kevin Herter is, compared to a guy who's 6'2". Makes a difference with what you can do defensively while still maintaining that floor spacing on the offensive end. That's a challenge for the Lakers right now. They don't really have that guy. Somebody said Monk is doing better than Ellington. Oh, yeah, look, I, I don't want to say, don't don't take that as me saying Monk was not good. Monk was tremendous tonight. I'm simply talking about in terms of skill set, you need some guys who can space the floor for you, but also offer a little bit of size to at least defend, say, threes and fours. And the Lakers don't have those guys. Why? Because they're very expensive. It's hard to get those guys. Everybody wants those guys. But the, this Lakers team would be a lot better with one or two wings who have some size who could shoot. Uh, Tia Banks said the Clippers killed us with threes. Yeah, they shot 46% from deep. The three-point shot really hurt the Lakers on this one. Uh, 
Uh, somebody said, why are we not mentioning Mello? Carmelo Anthony, four for six, two for two from three, five boards, uh, plus eight. I thought he was he was fine. Hit some shots, gave you what you'd want on the offensive end. There were some moments defensively that were not great, but he was competing. Uh, no, no major problems with Carmelo Anthony. Again, if you're looking at Carmelo Anthony and you're saying, oh, he's the reason the defense broke down, he didn't have the foot speed to get out to the shooter, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? That's the problem. And if you're saying, why are we not talking about Carmelo Anthony as the big guy who can shoot like that? Because he doesn't have the foot speed on the defensive end to cover. When you look at Melo, he's not going to be a defensive positive. Now, he's had games, and he's been better defensively than we expected coming in. But he's not the guy that's going to make the rotation go flying all the way across the floor. Pick up a man, break down, stay with them as they drive to the basket when they put the ball on the floor. That's not what Carmelo Anthony is at this point. So Carmelo Anthony has size and can shoot, but he's not able to make the defensive rotations that you need somebody to make. Now, again, I'm, nothing against Carmelo. That's what we knew about Carmelo coming into the season. It's not like it's a surprise. It's not like that's some detriment against him. It's just what he is at this point in his career. And he's still worth putting on the floor. He's still a positive for you. He just doesn't, he's just not that big wing that gives you the versatility on the defensive end of the floor and the quickness to go chase smaller players. You can't ask Carmelo Anthony to defend Paul George. You can't ask Carmelo Anthony to defend any of the high scoring wings in the NBA. That's not what he can do right now. So again, nothing against Carmelo, right? He he made his shots. He's been great for the Lakers this season. I think he's been a great signing. But he's still not that big three and D style player that can really shoot the ball. But like I said, a lot of teams are looking for that right now. All right, guys, let's do let's do one more um, reminder. Reminder: the Lakers have a really weird schedule right now, really weird. Which was we thought it was pretty fortuitous when we saw LeBron get in health and safety protocols that they have this weird stretch of the schedule where it's super light, right? So they only they have tonight's game. They have tonight's game against the Clippers. They don't play tomorrow. They don't play Sunday. They don't play Monday. They don't play again until Tuesday against the Celtics. So now they've got some time to go hopefully recover a little bit, work on some things in practice, and they won't play again until Tuesday. So got a little bit of a break here in the schedule, which is rare. Most of the time, through most of the season, you're playing every other day. Sometimes you play back-to-back. Occasionally you get two days off. So if you play Monday, you'll get Tuesday, Wednesday off, then play Thursday. That's considered a break, right, in the NBA, because typically you play every other day. The Lakers have this weird stretch of the schedule where they've got a few breaks here, and they don't play that often. I think they had, what, two days off before this game. Now they have three days off before their next game. Hopefully they rest up and recover a little bit. But like I said, let's get into a couple more questions, and then we'll call it an evening. Somebody said, get the get the old legs the, as much rest as you can. Yeah, I mean, you got to take advantage of getting rest whenever possible. The NBA season. All right. Hugo Martinez, Trevor, if you look at the standings, the West looks weak this year. Lakers can maybe grab the fourth or fifth seed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they, they they can. I think the West has been very, very beaten up by injuries. You look at the Denver Nuggets, what's gone on with them. You've got some opportunities here where the Lakers don't have to be perfect in the West this season and still finish 
maybe with home court advantage. Now, I will say the Lakers' schedule is going to get more difficult, especially once the, we get into January, into February. We've had a pretty light schedule here early on, so they're going to have to get things to click sooner rather than later. But uh, there are some opportunities here in the West to struggle a little bit and still be okay in terms of your playoff seating. Clifford Moore says our wing size is a huge problem. Agreed. Tia Banks, Trevor, will Howard start on Tuesday? I believe so. Frank Vogel um, did say that essentially what he's going to do is play either Howard or Jordan. Neither one of them is going to play, uh, or he's not going to play both of them on any given night. It's going to be one or the other, not both of them. So I don't think Dwight Howard did anything tonight to lose the starting job. I think last game, Dwight Howard did a lot to win the starting job. I don't think Dwight did anything tonight to lose it. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll call it an evening. I'm still seeing a lot of people saying fire Vogel. Somebody said, if we won tonight, we're in the four seed. Yeah, I mean, that in terms of the standings, it's still super early, so the standings have a long ways to go to shake out, but definitely would have been nice to see the Lakers get a win, not only because the Clippers, but also because it would have bumped them up in the standings. Fortunately, they did not. In fact, let me check and see what that puts them at as of this moment with this loss. The Lakers now sit in the seven seed, but it's very compact. They are one game out of the four seed right now, which is currently being possessed by the Memphis Grizzlies. So you have Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah at the top. And then you've got Memphis, Dallas, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Wolves, the Nuggets, all in this, this mix, this jumble right here. The four seed is very much up for grabs right now. If the Lakers can separate from the pack, that will go a long way towards uh, towards helping them out here and getting that four seed. Uh, jumping up to their four games back of the Jazz, still a lot of lot to play, but it's looking like most likely if the Lakers do hit the level that we expect them to eventually this season, assuming they can stay healthy, which might not be a great assumption to make given what we've seen so far. But if they can't stay healthy, the four seed does very look to be does look to be in play. But again, long way to go, long long way to go. All right. Somebody said they need to start putting up wins consistently. Absolutely. They they do. They've got to get things on track sooner rather than later. I don't feel like they looked as hapless as they did, as they did through certain games this season. I thought tonight was not a terrible performance. I think it needed to be a bit better, especially on the defensive end, if they were going to get the win. But it was an okay showing. They We've seen worse from them this season. But in any event, Lakers Nation... Appreciate you guys coming on here and joining me tonight as always. Hopefully you guys got to vent a little bit, maybe feel a little bit better after going through this. If you are listening to the podcast version of this, please make sure you do subscribe over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and everybody watching, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe.